Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. So um, about a year ago, I was standing in my kitchen. I was just making myself a, a nice cup of tea. And I don't think I was having a particularly good day. And I was just standing there. And in a moment, I felt this, this, um, this overwhelming sense of faith just, just came upon me. I felt like, like God could just, I could just overcome anything that God would put in my path. I felt like a complete just victor in the faith. And I was like, wow. This is great. This must be a taste of how God sees the world or sees life. And as soon as it just, you know, it came, a moment later, it just sort of just waned and it left. I was almost like, come back, come back, you know, come back. And um, I was just having a dialogue with God afterwards, and I thought, God, this is where you want us to be. This is where you want us to live. You want us to live as overcomers. You want us to look at problems and not see them as these big challenges, but we want to see the opportunities in those challenges. And a lot of the time, what I do when I'm facing with problems, you know, I ask God for a way out. I say, God, there's a problem or there's an obstacle in my path, and I'm just asking him for a way out. But what we should be doing is for a way through. Because right. when, you're, when you're looking for a way out, you're basically wanting to remove yourself and your faith from the problem, and you're not really gaining anything from that experience, are you? But when you say, God, I want to go through it, you're going to come out stronger, more powerful, full of faith, and God's going to take you from, you know, from smaller to bigger to larger things in your life, and you're going to do great things. Amen? So there's always, I've come across in my life, you know, with some people, some interesting char- characters, and, and a lot of them, you know, I, I see and I hear their stories, what they've been through. And I'm like, wow, how the heck can you just seemingly just be so full of optimism and faith? And I think to myself sometimes, if I go through that experience, would I, you know, portray the same calmness or, you know, be able to stand that strong in faith? And I think, maybe not, maybe, I don't know. So I really admire people when I hear their stories, where they've come from and where they are now, because God has done something major in their life. They've passed a few tests along the way. Amen? Amen. Take, for instance, this young lady, Bethany Hamilton. Now, Bethany, at the age of 13, she had her arm bitten off right up to the shoulder while she was surfing in Hawaii. You might know this story. She was rushed to the hospital. She lost 60% of her blood in the process, and a month later, she was back on her surfboard. Isn't that amazing? She, uh, I think it took her about three waves before she was able to stand up. Now, just think about this for a minute. You know, if you know anything about surfing, you're lying on your board, you're going down a wave, and then in one quick motion, you've got to push yourself up with two hands. You've got to flick your legs you know, under you, and you've got to stand up, you've got to ride this wave. But she had to relearn all of this with one arm. Wow. Who's been practicing their one-arm push-ups lately? <laughs> I know I have. <laughs> I get my kids sometimes when they see me doing push-ups, they come and lie on my back, they're like, come on, you can do it. <laughs> uh, 
But she had to relearn all of this. And plus, when you're surfing, it's a lot about balance and swaying your, you know, having to um, face your board in a different direction. She had to, like, imagine doing that with one arm. You know, she had to learn all of this. Think about what the doctors might have told her. Hey, you're crazy. Don't go in the water. Her mum might have said, look, aren't you afraid? You know, it's like the sharks are there. What about the self-talk that would have gone on in her mind? This is too soon. Maybe I shouldn't do this. Maybe my time of surfing has passed. Maybe, maybe the water is for other people, but not for her. A year later, she went into a competition, and she came second in a nationals comp competition. Talk about overcoming. Amen? What about this guy? This man was hiding, hiding in the wine press. We might know who he is already. And God said to him, you are a mighty man. Rise up. And he called himself the runt of the litter. In his own eyes, he saw himself as tiny. He saw himself as the least of his house, of his tribe. But he went on with him and 300 other men. They went and destroyed. They won. They beat 135,000 people. Isn't that amazing? I think they made a movie about him, 300, but it's... <laughs> no, that's, Greek, that's Greek mythology. We don't follow that here, amen. <laughs> this story's better because God's involved. Amen. <laughs> All right, so let's look at the word overcomer. The word overcomer, it means to carry off the victory, to come off victorious. Of Christ, victorious over all his foes. To hold fast their faith even unto death against the power of their foes and temptations and persecutions. In essence, what overcoming is, is that when you see something that's stopping you, that's in your way between where you are and where you need to be in God, that going over that or through that, that's, that's overcoming. Amen? So whatever it is that's in your way, God wants to smash that out of the way. He wants to see you overcome that so you can be where you need to be in God. So who believes that we are all overcomers? We're all made to be overcomers, right? Guess who lives inside of you? The Holy Spirit. And what is he? He's an overcomer. So his DNA is living inside of you. And part of that is that he has an overcoming quality. When God, you know, look, look at the Old Testament. You know, you, you wouldn't dare mess with the Israelites or the God of the Israelites, right? They overcame the enemies. There's a parable in the scripture talking about the little leaven. The kingdom of God is like a little leaven and a piece of bread. I always love this metaphor. You know, it's like that tiny little seed that God plants in you. You know, that, that, that spirit can grow and grow and can expand. We're not people that are meant to shrink back, to retreat, to hide. We're people that are meant to advance. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Okay? We have to let them out. But here's the secret. To be an overcomer on the outside, you have to be an overcomer on the inside. I always love this. There's an old saying, you know, you know, who you really are is what you do when nobody's watching. You know, who are you really? When you look at things in your life, you know, do you look at opportunities and challenges or do you see or, or do you just see challenges and opportunities what kind of mindset 
do you have? So we're going to look at a few key areas from the life of Gideon. Three areas that we're going to need to confront in, our, in ourselves to be an overcomer. The three areas that we need to confront are, are you hiding in your safe zone? Do you have faith in God's word? And do you believe your God-given identity? We're going to look at all of these three today. And what I want us all to do is just as I'm talking through it, you know, as the Holy Spirit's going to minister to you all, God's just going to confront certain things in your life. Um, and with all these three things, we're going to look at that. And with these three carriers, we're going to look at becoming, being on the road to being an overcomer. Amen? Amen. So let's read Judges 6, 11 to 22. It's a bit of a longer scripture than usual, perhaps, but it's full of meaty stuff. There we go. One day the angel of God came and sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash the Bezrite, whose son Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine press, out of sight of the Midianites. The angel of God appeared to him and said, God is with you, O mighty warrior. Gideon replied with me, my master, if God is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the miracle wonders our parents and grandparents told us about? telling us, didn't God deliver us from Egypt? The fact is, God has nothing to do with us. He has turned us over to Midian. But God faced him directly. Go in the strength that is yours. Save Israel from Midian. Haven't I just sent you? Gideon said to him, me, my master, how and with what could I ever save Israel? Look at me. My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the runt of the litter. God said to him, I'll be with you. Believe me, you'll defeat Midian as one man. God, uh, Gideon said, if you're serious about this, do me a favor. Give me a sign to back up what you're telling me. Don't leave until I come back and bring you my gift. He said, I'll wait till you get back. Gideon went and prepared a young goat and a huge amount of unraised bread. He put the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot and took them back under the shade of the oak tree for a sacred meal. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and unraised bread, place them on that rock, and pour the broth on them. Gideon did it. The angel of God stretched out the tip of the stick he was holding and touched the meat and the bread. Fire broke out of the rock and burned up the meat and bread while the angel of God slipped away out of sight. And Gideon knew it was the angel of God. Gideon said, Oh no, Master God, I have seen the angel of God face to face. The penny dropped. <laughs> so the first one we're going to look at today is, are you hiding in your safe zone? And the scripture for that, we're not going to read that, but that is the part, is the beginning part, which is Judges 6, 11 to 12, which I believe is up on the board behind me. Now look at it this way, as the Bible times, right? If you read the preceding scriptures, they were living up in a, in a mountain, and Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press. He was doing the right thing in the wrong place. Normally when you're threshing wheat, you do it out in an open area. But because he was hiding from his enemies, he was down in a wine press. And I haven't got an image here, but a wine press is basically a concrete kind of dugout in the ground. So if you're looking over the plains, you wouldn't see Gideon because he was down in a hole. Threshing the wheat and the winepress. And then God came and said, God is with you, a mighty warrior. And that's where the whole story started for Gideon. So the word hiding, when we look at it, what does it mean? 
In the dictionary it says concealed, lying low, in seclusion, in retreat. Are you doing any of those things here today? Is that how you're feeling? Is that what you're going through? See, when we look at fear, um, you know, sometimes fear of past experiences or maybe shame that you're going through can keep you from stepping out to where God wants you to be. Because what you're doing is instead of acting out of a place of faith and advancing, you're actually, you're actually what you're doing is you're acting out of a place of self-preservation. All you're caring about is just, I'm just going to stay here because really I'm afraid that if I stick my neck out, my neck's going to get chopped off. I'm protecting myself. That doesn't really display faith, does it? When I was 16, I moved to New Zealand, and um, uh, I think I've shared this story a few times, but it's, it's, it's applicable now. And we had a, uh, the house matron had a, had a birthday party, and um, all of our house, it was a private school, uh, all the boys were together, we were singing for her, it was her birthday, you know, just a nice little pleasantry that we did before the day started, and she was like, oh, thank you very much, thank you, being the house matron, and um, I stood up at the back and I said, speech, speech, and I was fresh off the boat, you know, from South Africa, and I didn't know that in New Zealand you don't do that kind of thing because people might look at you funny, and um, they <laughs> kids started calling me speech around school. And for years, it really crippled my, you know, my identity. It, 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 it crippled my, my, my confidence because, you know, God has made us all unique. Yeah. Amen. And he's wanting you to express yourself in your full glory of who you're made to be. But maybe because of what's happened in the past, you're, you're still hiding. Maybe you're hiding from your true character of who you really are, your, your true person, your true identity. And if you can just put your hand up and say, you know what, no more of that. I'm going to trust God. I don't care who's going to reject me. I don't care about my past. I don't care who knows my secrets. I'm going to go forward. And I'm going to know that God loves me no matter what I go through, no matter what I've done. And I know that who I am and who, the real me will bless my situation and bless the people around me. Amen? Let's look at an antonym which is the opposite of the word hiding. Expose, reveal. You know, expose, reveal. Does it scare you? Are you afraid of being exposed? Of revealing who you really are? You shouldn't be. If God is for you, who can be against you? Amen? I'll tell you one more story before we move on. When I was uh, just a few days, oh, no, we were dating at that time. No, we weren't dating, okay. So, <laughs> story's off to a good start. <laughs> no, we weren't dating at that time. So Pam and I were hanging out at the coffee shop. We just dropped a friend off, and we were just having a chat. And God had spoken to me about something a few days before about our relationship. And I was saying to Pam, you know, I really want to go out with you. You know, I think it's God's will. You know, I really feel like we should move on to the next step of our relationship and make it known to people. And then Pam's reaction was, no, let's just keep it a secret. I don't want people to find out. She's given me her blessing to tell the story, by the way. <laughs> and she's like, no, no, no. I was like, yes, yes, yes. I was like, I want to shout it from the rooftops. I want to tell everybody I'm with Pam. She's my girlfriend. And um, 
And I was asking her about it. I was like, why? You know, why is it that you want to keep this on the low down? And um, she said that it basically came out that because of the past experience that she had and embarrassments that she has been through and fear of maybe this relationship not working out, let's just keep it secret so that if it doesn't work out, then, you know, no harm, no foul kind of thing. But because God was good and he knew about our relationship, he had spoken to me, he'd given me a specific word a few days before. And I read her the word and it really confronted the situation. And it was just a really God-ordained moment. And I think within a few days, it was all public and it was great. So it's like we need to just come out of this place of hiding, amen? Because God's got something for you. And as a result of, of, of Pam being confronted with that reality in her life of wanting to feel like that she needs to hide, God said, no, come out of hiding because there's a blessing that's going to come from that if you come out of hiding. And what was the blessing? Ready. Me. <laughs> And then three children. <laughs> Amen. Cool. Point number two. Have faith in God's word. Judges 6.14. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So what is God saying to you? Today, what are you facing today? And do you believe it? Do you actually believe what God has spoken over your life? Maybe you have dreams, you maybe you have desires, maybe you have a situation that you're going through that is just stopping you, that is hindering you, that's crippling in your life. What is God saying about that? Do you believe that He's saying you can be free from that? Yes, you are called to do that. Yes, you are that person. Yes, you know, I want you to do that. Whatever it is, do you believe that? And I think we can actually find a little bit of comfort in Gideon here because Gideon actually had a hard time believing. You know, and sometimes we feel like, well, if we miss it the first time, we'll miss it the second time, then God's going to give up on us. But as you keep on reading and judges, you'll find that. Time after time, Gideon needed reassurance. God, is this you? Is this you? It's a process. So when we feel like we're messing up or we just need to have a pit stop or whatever it is, and you know, we feel like we feel like we're just coming short, there's grace for you. There's grace for you. So if you lack faith like Gideon. We can follow his example. So what did Gideon did? He wanted to make sure that this was God. So he said, God, wait, wait. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go home, and I'm just going to get some flour. I'm going to get some meat. I'm going to come back. I'm going to cook a feed, and you'll, you know, we'll see what happens. And just to give you another little image or paint a story, 35 bushels. I'm um, sorry. It was um, the uh, the amount of, of of flour that he had was the equivalent of 35 liters. Now. He was hiding in the wine press, um, you know, trying to thresh the, the, the wheat. The Midianites would come from time to time, they would raid it. So we know already that flour and all their supplies would have been a very precious commodity. So he gave something that was very costly because he valued the word of the Lord for his life. So if you're doubting about anything that God has spoken over your life, you need to make it a priority to make sure that you get that in your heart as faith and you believe it. 
So he went out and he got all this flour and he came back and he said, God, here is my offering. Here is something of value to me because I really want to be sure what you're asking of me. I really want to believe. I really want to have faith. I really want to know if this is you. I'm going to put this before you. And God comes and he basically consumes the whole offering. So what price are you willing to pay? What price are you willing to put before God and say, God, I want to be sure. I want to have faith. Because sometimes God has spoken over something in your life, and you might just dismiss it or, or think, oh, that's a nice idea. But if you really like, want to go after that, then go after that. You know, fast. Pray whatever it is. Fasting is a great way. You're giving up your time. You, you, you're giving up your, your kind of fleshly desires. Sowing a seed, whatever it is, whatever it takes. Believing in God's word will give you the faith to overcome. And I'll tell you a quick, another quick story, also from the relationship, <laughs> part two. <laughs> the story gets, goes, there's more to the story. So prior to me asking Pam out, so that was me feeling on top of the world. But before that, I was, when, not many people know this, but Pam actually asked me out the first time. Yes. She sent me a nice text and said, hey, would you like to go for a coffee? And um, I mightn't, you know, I was, I, was, I was like an ostrich. I had my head in the sand, <laughs> afraid of any woman. <laughs> I was like, is my wife in this church? I don't know. <laughs> but Pam asked me out on a date, and uh, we hung out a few times. And it was all good, and we had a great time. And, but what, you know, where I was in that stage of my life, I was going through a lot of insecurity. So in the end, after a few weeks, I said to Pam, look, you know, this is really good and all, but I just want to take some time out. I just need to seek God. I was being very spiritual. But basically, a lot of insecurities had come up because the way I saw Pam, and I still do, she's this amazing woman, full of confidence, you know, just goes up and chats with people, very social. I was the shy guy, just hiding in the background. I was like, God, how can I be her, her husband? She's this amazing woman. I'm the runt of the litter, you know? <laughs> you know, I'm the smallest peanut in the packet, you know? <laughs> But that was the self-perception that I had. And so, you know, you know, over six months I was just seeking God. And so it was actually six months later, and, you know, good on Pam for, for waiting and, you know, long-suffering right there. I was praying. I was driving home from work one day. I said, God, I was still on the same issue. And I was driving home from work one day, and I was listening to the radio. I was just, you know, I was praying. And I was like, ah, I'm fed up. I'm not getting an answer anyway. Turn off the radio, no? And the song came on the radio, and it was Cheryl Crow's... Uh, are you strong enough to be my man? Are you strong enough to be my man? Because that was the question that I had. Do I have what it takes to be her husband? And I'm listening to the song. I'm like, whoa, this is cool. Wow. God's like singing to me through the radio. <laughs> and, then it, and then it finished. It said, are you strong enough to be my man? And then it ended. And I heard clear as day, yes, you are. Like, and I know the song because my sister used to listen to it all the time. Not me. No, just kidding. And, uh, and I went home and I Googled the lyrics. I was like, lyrics, Cheryl Crow, strong enough. And sure enough, I've looked at a few and none of the lyrics finish with, yes, you are. That was the Holy Spirit singing through the radio to me. And, and so, you know, it's like as people, it's like if God has put something on your heart, like it did put Pam in my heart, 
and you're struggling to move forward, you're struggling to overcome and advance in that area of your life, we need to make it a priority to seek Him. However long it takes, whatever it costs you, go after it until you get it. It becomes faith, and you're like, yeah. It changes your identity, and you move forward, and you're stronger for it, and you're going to make a difference. You're going to make an impact, and you're going to overcome that. Amen? Amen. Amen. And the last one. Believe your God-given identity. Judges 6, 12, and also 14 to 15. God is with you, O mighty warrior. Gideon said to him, Me, my master? How and with what could I ever save Israel? Look at me. My clan's the weakest of Manasseh. I am the runt of the litter. God said to him, I will be with you. Believe me, you'll defeat Midian as one man. So we need to believe who God is saying you are. I'm going to say it again. I know Pam said this quote the other week. I had it in my notes. I think I gave it to her. You know, like, like Henry Ford said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you are right. It's all here, right? Why do we believe about who we are? And the funny thing is Gideon was actually a nobleman. So when he's saying all these things like, I'm the least of this, I'm da, 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 it's like that might not have necessarily been true, but in here it was true. So God might tell you time and time again, you are my daughter, you are my son. It's like, yeah, it might be nice words up here, but really down here, doesn't really show. You might ask yourself, who am I to do this? Who am I? And God's saying, who are you not to? Despite Gideon's noble birth, he allowed his circumstances to dictate his identity. Oh God, but I'm living here and I've got this job and da 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 why are you allowing where you are and what you're wearing, what car you're driving, whatever it is, to dictate who you are in God and who you are meant to be? Don't look at, don't be like this, like a chicken, pick, pick, pick. Be like an eagle, looking far and wide. Amen? Look towards God's future promises, your calling and the person you will become. Meditate on what God has for you and that he believes you can do it. This will cause you to start thinking like an overcomer rather than a victim. Knowing who you are in God will make you an overcomer. You know, I've, I've had certain days where I would wake up and I would not feel very good. When I was in my 20s, I, I had a severe bout of depression. And uh, I was going through some tough stuff. Pam was, we were just newly married and... Pam was the breadwinner, and I had no work. I was a, a contractor, and I was just, you know, God was dealing with me for a lot of stuff, and I had a lot of days where there would no work would come in, so I would just be at home. And I would think, what the heck am I doing at home? My wife's out working. Who am I? You know, is this really what a husband should be doing? You know, she's out there, you know, making bread, you know, earning the income and everything. Um, the funny thing is that as soon as our twins were born, the whole thing just flipped. And I was from earning from like little to no money. And she obviously being the breadwinner, it just switched around just by the grace of God. But um, so I had to, when I would wake up in the morning, I would just look at myself in the mirror and just say, today is going to be a great day. 
Today's going to be a good day. You are awesome. You can do it. You know, I'd have do these certain projects and I would just be completely in my mind, feel so disheartened because I felt like I can't do this. I would just look at myself and just, just basically just speak faith into myself. You can do this. You can do this. You're a man of God, you know. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And sometimes we just got to do that, you know, like, like in the movie Jerry Maguire <laughs> where the guy says, what you do, you get up in the morning, you clap your hands, and you say, today is going to be a great day. <laughs> and you got to do that, you know. I am a man of God. I am an overcomer. I am a woman of God. I am an overcomer. That's who I am. That problem is small for God. I can do this. Me and him, we're going to sash, we'll sash that thing right there, you know. So what happened? Well, going back to my earlier story, when I was standing in my kitchen, praying to God, God, give me this overcoming spirit. So while I went by and I was praying for this, and what I found is that instead of God just giving something to you sometimes, like I was praying for this overcoming spirit, instead of He just giving it to you, He will give you circumstances or a chance, chance to develop that in you. So he might not just give you, you know, what you're praying for, what you want, but he will put you in circumstances so you can exercise that. And so things just around me started to change a little bit, became a little bit harder. It's like, oh, no. Oh, man. You know, and like I said before, it's like, you know, I'm praying for a way out instead of praying for a way through. But I realized this was happening. Like, okay, God, you know, okay, let's do this. And so I would just stand in faith, stay in faith. And, you know, I just saw these things that maybe if I had been through them maybe a few months ago or a year ago, I would have completely have faltered. But just through the grace of God and me recognizing that God was wanting to train something and develop in me, I was standing strong. And sometimes these things will happen around our lives. And if we don't actually realize, hey, this is actually a training ground, this is actually an opportunity to practice God's faith, if we don't realize that, we're just going to pray for the easy way out. But if we are mindful and say, hey, this is just a stepping stone. I'm going to exercise faith. And even though it doesn't look like it, you know, my bank account is blessed. My relationships are blessed. I will overcome. Those addictions that are bothering me, no, they, they, they're going to be removed in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the actor Jim Carrey, he, was, uh, he wasn't even working Hollywood yet, but he wrote a check to himself for something ridiculous like 3 or $4 million. He wrote a check to himself. Obviously, he couldn't cash it. But in faith, you know, he was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. You know what I mean? So it's like whatever you know, what you're going through in life, whatever your obstacle is, don't look for a way out. Ask God. Say, God, this is from you. You know, I'm going to go through this. I'm going to take hold of the promises, and I'm going to come out stronger and stronger on the other side. Amen? Yes. I'm going to overcome this. I'm on my road to overcoming. So in all of this, there's one agent that binds it all together. It's faith. Faith. 1 John 5 verse 4 says, and the New King James, I love this, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And the message, it says, the conquering power that brings the world to its knees is our faith. Isn't it awesome? Brings the world to its knees. Bow before me. 
a problem better. You must kneel. <laughs> so just like Gideon, God is wanting us to have faith, faith in three things. Have faith that God is with you. Have faith that God has a destiny, a plan for you to believe and to grab a hold of, to go after. Number three, have faith that God has given us a real identity in Him. So just imagine, just, just see yourself, you know, two years, a year, a few months from now, ten years. Imagine if we are people who didn't let fear or doubt or insecurity bother you. Or any of those things holding you down any longer. Imagine if you rose up in faith, really controlled those things and overcome any obstacle that came in your way. To agree with God that you are an overcomer, that you are a warrior. That's your identity.